It's New Hampshire headlines on WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com if you missed the back episodes of the show. Happy to be joined this week by reporter Amanda Gokey of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Welcome back. Hey, AJ. Thank you for having me. So at NewHampshireBulletin.com to check out all of their reporting. Uh, Anne-Marie, Ethan, and Amanda join the show most Fridays. We threw Jeff Feingold in the mix every now and then. Uh, but it has been quite busy for you guys covering the never-ending election, as you said, right before we started, where it, it's, it, it's, it's so tight. It, I mean, that seems to be the root of the, a lot of the problems, is this election was very close in so many jurisdictions. That's right, and that's sort of particularly been the focus of the ongoing recount for the New Hampshire House. Um, those districts, obviously, there's you know 400 seats, so the districts are really small, and oftentimes can come down to just a handful of votes, and that's what we saw this election. So candidates in those cases where it's you know decided by a really tight margin have the option of asking for a recount, and many did so. There was over 20 House districts that were have been recounted since the election concluded, and that's included some um, kind of flips from two, for two seats that were originally on election night called for Republicans, and the recounts have changed those results, um, and that's definitely been something we've been following really closely here at the Bulletin. So just just to make everyone aware, it's like we're actually recording this super early. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, because it's the Thanksgiving holiday week. So things may have changed by the time you hear the, this originally broadcast Friday morning or um, or next week when it when it's available uh, for rebroadcast alongside the New England take. But let's start off with Manchester Ward 6, which is one of these very contested areas. Yeah, Manchester Ward 6 has definitely been... Uh, the race I think that has been garnering the most attention and that's because it was originally called on election night for Republican Larry Gagney. Uh, according to the Secretary of State's results from election night, he had won by 23 votes against Democrat Maxine Mosley. Uh, and that vote that was recounted last Monday and that recount, what happened was uh, Mosley actually ended up winning by just a one vote margin. Um, that's what the, the recount found. Um, the Secretary of State called the race for the Democrat and that flipped the seat. And, and that's also against this backdrop where the balance of power in the House is extremely close. So you have at this, at this point, according to what we know right now on Tuesday, the Republicans have 200 seats. The Democrats have 199 seats, including Mosley's seat. And there's one seat that's undecided because of a tie. Um, three days later on Thursday, the Secretary of State had received something called the return of votes. And there's this reconciliation process that he's going through. He has some additional information based on a new law that gives him both the count of overvoted ballots and undervoted ballots. Just really quickly, an overvoted ballot is if you are allowed to vote for one candidate, you vote for two. Um, undervoted is you're allowed to vote for two and you only vote for one, for, 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 for example. Um, that's a new law that just gives additional data points on sort of learning and understanding all the votes that were cast. Um, there's also an audit that's done. And so those indicate to the Secretary of State that there's a discrepancy between the number of votes that those counts are saying were cast and the number of votes that were recounted 
during the recount. And when what it's showing is that it looks like the recount has not accounted for all of the votes that were cast. So on Thursday, the Secretary of State announces that they want to finish counting all of the votes, and so the recount is going to continue. Um, the Democrats then file, this is Maxine Mosley, the representative buying for this seat, uh, Senator Donna Susi, file a lawsuit attempting to block the Secretary of State from continuing that recount. Um, and that goes to the Merrimack County Superior Court. So the court is asked to essentially intervene and block Scanlon from continuing the recount. And this morning, the judge who was presiding over that case, Amy Ignatius, ruled that the recount can, in fact, proceed. Um, and so that is scheduled to happen this afternoon, shortly after our recording session ends at 1 p.m. And that will presumably reveal the final result in this recount and who the seat really belongs to, who voters have determined um, should hold the seat. And, and it's very hotly fought over in the state house with with the members over there on, on the lawsuit because there is there is a bunch of political slash legal discussion around is this a second is this a basically a second recount on top of it is the actual recount done and which is a big part of the reason why I ended up going to the court and it's, it's kind of fascinating to see the 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 shoes kind of put put on the other foot with uh, with the parties on this because they're both being very aggressive on it. And it was really interesting. You sort of have both sides claiming that this is a matter of election integrity. That's something we've certainly heard Republicans argue for policies saying that, you know, election integrity is something that they're champions of. And in this lawsuit, you had Democrats arguing that same sort of line of reasoning. Um, they were doing this to preserve, quote unquote, election integrity and their, you know, lawyer uh, representing the Democrats in this case, Bill Christie, said, you know, we don't we don't necessarily know what happened to the ballots between point A and point B. Um, and that's sort of an interesting line of of argument for them to take in this in this case. And then conversely, you had Governor Chris Nunu come out and say this is a win for election integrity. Um, so both sides are kind of arguing uh, that that election that, that they're on the side of election integrity, um, and it's just interesting that it's unfolding. Yeah, it, it, it's the longer the count takes, the more likely it, it's going to get fed into one side or the other's uh, political narrative going forward. So, it, just just as a um, someone who dives into media and analysis a fair bit on, on his, his programs, it, it's like, be careful the, the further out and who you're listening to for your resources for, for information. Like, the politicians say a lot of things, look to see what the courts and uh, reporters come up with in their analysis to get both sides of what's going on. It's, because this, this is very complex, especially since this election is just so damn close. And... I can get into a little bit more because I think it is important for people to sort of understand, um, you know, why it is that there's these different numbers that a recount wouldn't come up with exactly the same numbers. So one of the things the Secretary of State pointed to was what you saw in the recount is the votes for, so Manchester Ward 6, there's, that's electing two representatives 
So the top vote getter in that district is a Republican named William Infantine. Um, and then you have this sort of second seat, which will either go to Mosley or Gagne, the you know respective Democrat and Republican. Um, and so in, in this case, what the Secretary of State saw is that for the Republicans, the votes decreased in the recount by the order of 22 votes and 18 votes. And so what he believes happened is that in the recount, um, essentially you have counters, they're collecting, they have you know straight Republican tickets, for example, straight Democratic tickets, they have undervoted and overvoted the piles that they're basically organizing and they will get 25 ballots at a time and then they'll have stacks of 25 they'll put then four stacks together to have 100 ballots so 100 ballots get counted at once and what the secretary of state thinks happened is that 125 ballots were counted as 100 ballots sort of Hmm. in that way missing the 25 ballots and this is happening during the recount process. These all, it's a really transparent process. You have members from both parties publicly scrutinizing these counting teams um, over at the archives building. That's where this all takes place. It's open to the public. And during this process, ballots can be challenged. So you have a lot of eyeballs on the process watching as it all goes. Um, and so he's basically says, you know, the hundred, that was something that just kind of nobody noticed at the time. It's a really long day. People get tired by the end of it. Um, and that sort of administrative mistake is what he believes led to this discrepancy. Um, and so now in the recount, the judges ruled that all of the ballots have to be reviewed um, in the process, not not just the the Republican ballots, but all of them to take a full accounting. All right, let's move over to Belknap County, a, uh, a subject that has been very highly covered even on the national stage the last uh, few months, especially around uh, Gunstock uh, recreational area and such. But what's the uh, the latest that you reported on over there? Yeah, so basically when Gunstock closed over the summer, it was temporarily closed. There was tensions that had escalated between the delegation, the county delegation, and the management of the mountain that led to its closure. Um, And just to quickly explain, so the delegation, that's sort of all the representatives. That county has 18 representatives that serve in the New Hampshire House. They make up its delegation. They appoint an oversight board to essentially have a pretty hands-off but just oversight function um, of the mountain. And so they had appointed people who were very combative in their relationship with the gunstock management, and that was why the management ultimately walked walked away and resigned temporarily um, sort of in until those members of the board had been removed, which is what happened. But so out of that, there was sort of this groundswell of really, really public outrage over the fact that the delegation had, in the view of many people in the public, meddled in the, it's a county-owned area, they'd meddled in their um, business and sort of led that, and that had led to this closure. So people really said, we're going to take our anger to 
the polls and we're going to vote out the members of the delegation that they viewed as responsible for its temporary closure. And what we saw was it's an 18 member delegation and only nine of that 18 of those 18 members were returned. Some people did move away. Uh, some people chose not to run again. About six members, six incumbents were defeated. Um, four of those were defeated in the primary and two were defeated in the general. So those members included the, the former leader, the chair of the delegation, whose name is Michael Sylvia. Um, I should say the delegation used to be primarily composed of Republicans in this latest election, the delegation now includes three Democrats. And another player that's been really involved has been a political action uh, committee or PAC that was formed out of this issue at Gunstock that's called Citizens for Belknap County. And so they got really involved in advocating for candidates that they felt were quote unquote reasonable and more moderate and they wanted to get rid of the candidates that they saw as being too extreme and oftentimes allied in their policy positions with libertarian movements and um, the free state movement. Um, so Mike Sylvia is a member of that. And we, the delegation has changed since he resigned as, as, its, as its leader. Um, that's included things like the first pay raise for county employees in um, about three years. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to follow the, the last several months, especially with the rebuke of the Free State Project by people that on the left, the center left and the center right, um, really unhappy with, with the, like, it took a long time for some of them to, these Free State Movement individuals to really come to power in various uh, places around the state. and to have a pack actually form and organize and say no we like the way things are going here and we want to go back to funding the these programs is is super interesting from a political perspective and this was an issue that certainly revealed some sort of rift i would say in the republican party you yeah. had governor Kristen nunu come out and sort of name three of the members of this delegation who have an R next to their name. And he, he said publicly, these aren't Republicans. They don't have a place in our party. Um, some of the sort of free state and libertarian representatives have supported things like secession, like having New Hampshire secede from the United States. That was something that um, Sununu called out as, as did voters, you know, talking with even very, you know, Republican voters at the polls who I spoke with who were showing up to vote in favor in support of Republican candidate Don Bolduc for Senate, um, they felt that they couldn't support a candidate who would bring a proposal of secession to the House floor. So even among Republicans, those were really unpopular policies that that these candidates had had thought and um, I think that that is something that we saw sort of translate pretty clearly in outcomes and I would say that the folks at the PAC really for them this was really a story about voter engagement and awareness um, and I heard this from voters too 
you know, people who would say, I always used to vote a straight Republican ticket. I thought that those were the people who represented the values that I shared with them. And I realized I have to do more homework and I have to really interrogate who these people are and what they stand for. Um, so that's definitely been a theme of this election as well. What was that school that that had a similar incident occur as, as what happened at Gunstock? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so there was, um, this was in the town of Croydon, New Hampshire. Yeah, that's where it is, and, yeah, yeah. And basically, similarly, there was a, uh, a vote, there was some free state presence, and um, a uh, at, at, I believe it was that town meeting that they voted yeah, it was. down the school budget, and basically halved the school budget. Um, and it would have had pretty significant impact on people just trying to send their students to school and possibly having to pay thousands of dollars to do so. Um, and so that there's sort of a similar story where the town really mobilized after that vote occurred and they realized what the implications would be. Um, and so people were able to, through a democratic process, basically hold a second vote and overturn that initial decision and, and restore the funding. Um, and so I think in both of these cases, the question is, you know, that momentum and that energy and that involvement, that really direct involvement that you have to have in your democracy for it to function, is that something that voters sustain over the next two years? Or do they kind of go back to business as usual? And for a lot of people, not paying as close of attention and not necessarily wanting to show up to those meetings. Um, so I think that's an open question in both of these cases. Yeah, I highly suggest if you want, we, we tend to talk more policy and politi politics on, on, on this specific program, but I highly suggest if anyone's interested in the people angle of it, check out um, over NHPR, Sarah Gibson, who's a reporter over there, did a great story that actually was uh, rebroadcasted on This American Life and is in that podcast feed also. And I highly suggest people check it out because I listened through it. It's, it. it's longer, but it really dives into how conflicted everyone was and realized that Oh yeah, this isn't exactly the, they don't really know the process. Like, you don't know that there's a process that's being hijacked or altered in front of you until something uh, comes up that you don't expect that's gonna take away funding for your school or something like that. So. Yeah, it's a great it's a great piece. I, I really, really enjoyed that as well. So definitely recommend people just check that out. All right, I hear phone rings all around me. I think I gotta, I gotta get, uh, get off the line, unfortunately. <laughs> Amanda Gokey, reporter at New Hampshire Bulletin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL, I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. We'll be right back.